Sustainability is more than a catchphrase. The goal of helping future generations safely coexist on and with Earth has become a way of life. It's a tangible focus in a wide array of academic pursuits at the university, as the topic itself is of the utmost importance to students. With April serving as Earth Month and April 22nd called Earth Day, it's the perfect time to showcase how Jefferson trains students to focus on sustainable practices in the classroom and well beyond. I'm Brian Hickey, a member of the university's communications team. In this episode of the Nexus podcast, you will hear from students, faculty, and alumni who explain how sustainability comes into play in their areas of expertise. That includes fashion students who created new garments from repurposed Converse sneakers and vintage gloves, and the assistant professor who shepherded sustainability-focused courses into the curriculum. That latter effort will culminate with a unique Fabric Row pop-up shop on April 29th. You will also hear from the alumnus who, working with a few Jefferson faculty and graduate students, helped launch the Hemp Black effort with the university's backing and now serves as a textile engineer and strategist with a keen eye for innovation and sustainability. Additionally, we spoke to faculty from an array of colleges participating in a new course focused on the impacts of climate change and climate-related disasters on health and healthcare delivery. That's a collaboration between Jefferson and Tel Aviv University. Other efforts at the university in part include an industrial design program project which aims to improve supply chain concerns within Jefferson Health Hospitals, a team of School of Business students who examined how Walmart could best embrace sustainable practices, and a collaboration of College of Architecture and the Built Environment students, who teamed up with peers at a university in Venice, Italy, to examine climate chain impacts on coastal cities. The list goes on and on, but for the purposes of this podcast, we will zero in on several examples that establish sustainability as an important focus at Jefferson. Meet Lila Duffy and Miriam Badri, fashion designers who will explain how sustainable practices have helped guide their personal and professional paths into the future. I am Lila. I'm currently a senior and I'm a fashion design student. I've always had an interest in sustainable design and I've been lucky enough to take two courses in it during my time here at Jefferson. Hi, my name is Miriam. I'm currently a third-year fashion design student. I'm in the sustainability class right now. I've definitely learned a lot from that class. The courses that Lila and Miriam reference are the required Sustainable Concepts for Fashion Design and the elective Sustainable Concepts for Fashion Design too. Both are taught by an associate professor who has come to realize that sustainability was a tenet of her approach to fashion even when she was a student here. My name is Carly Cusey. I teach courses from freshman to senior year, from fashion design research to uh, collection capstone. Most recently, in the last three years, I've been developing courses around sustainable fashion design, which is my real area of interest. Back when I was a student, no one was talking about sustainable design, sustainable fashion, but I found myself, now in retrospect, doing it. It was just an area of interest that came naturally to me and really guided my designs. I was one of the first students to upcycle before upcycling was really a thing. And that really came from my love of old stuff, from old music to 
vintage fashion to art from past decades. I was kind of obsessed with those things. I was thrifting when I was a teenager and that kind of transitioned into my love for fashion design. I found myself always really drawn to pieces from the past. I incorporated that into my design process naturally and those were the materials that I went to. So I wasn't using any new materials. It's an important aspect of sustainable design is using what's already out there. In essence, an alumna's love of sustainability is what brought about the new courses that have seen Miriam create a dress completely from existing Converse sneakers and Lila use vintage white gloves to do the same. Both spoke about how sustainability has guided their educational journey here at Jefferson. The lessons ranged from developing brands with sustainable and ethical practices to getting a deeper look into how the industry itself particularly fast fashion, impacts people around the world. First, let's hear from Lila Duffy, who is currently taking the elective, which will culminate in the upcoming pop-up shop. Lila's going to graduate in May. The way that the industry has developed over the last few years, I think it has to do with our need for instant gratification with the internet, having something new, having something fresh. There's these things called micro-trends, where things are just rolling out every single day. Some websites have 20,000 new styles weekly, and people buy into this newness because it scratches something in their brain. Maybe individuals from other generations that didn't have that accessibility to fast fashion don't exactly understand it. I think for our generation, it impacts us a lot. A lot of people don't realize what they're buying into. Sustainability is not just about the environment. It's also about how we treat other people. Sustainability also has to do with the workers. Are they treated fairly? Are they paid a fair wage? Are they working in a safe environment? It's very easy for us to live where we are and pretend none of that's happening, but it affects real people in real time. Miriam agrees. There are people being treated so terribly in unlivable working conditions, making clothes that probably everyone in this country owns or at least has one pair of. It's a human rights issue, but it's also an environmental issue with the accessibility of social media and how everyone is able to see, oh, what just went down the runway? Oh, what's this trend? What's this celebrity wearing? Now everyone wants to wear it. Everyone just wants to buy something that's cheap and affordable, but they aren't willing to build relationships with their clothing. People are buying so much clothes and they aren't really looking at like, the effect of it. If people build relationships with their clothing, then they're less likely to buy more clothes or to get rid of it more easily. With that framework, the students design tangible items with sustainability in mind. Let's start with Miriam's. I made an entire dress out of old Converse that was actually originally going to do a look at a recycled denim, but I did have an old pair of Converse that I wanted to use for the look. I was gonna use it as a corset, but as I started draping, I was like, wait, like I really like where this is going. Maybe I could do something really cool with this. So I started asking my friends. I even asked on social media if anyone had old Converse that they didn't want anymore. I started even asking random people at that point on campus because I was just so like Converse hungry to see what I could do with this. I eventually collected 30 pairs of Converse and I didn't buy any of them, which I'm really happy about. I separated the fabric of the shoes from the soles and draped it on the mannequin to my liking and I made it to fit me so I could wear it to class, which I was excited about. I wore it to crit and my professor really liked it and my classmates also really liked it. And yeah, it was just fun. It was really like sweaty though. <laughs> Obviously the Converse dress isn't like a practical ready to wear outfit for every day, but even going off with like different variations, I even talked with my professor about it. Just recycling things, giving it another use before it becomes trash is so important within sustainability. Lila couldn't agree more. 
I designed a dress made out of vintage leather gloves. I thought it would be an interesting way to be zero waste, do something sustainable. A lot of the time, what we make isn't exactly made to be worn. It's like making art. So I felt like I made a sustainable, wearable piece of art by deconstructing all of these gloves to make a gown. I sourced the gloves from eBay, actually. I found two different lots and I actually got super duper lucky. I spent $14 and got, I think, 11 pairs of gloves out of it. And then I wanted to make the dress longer and I went to try to find more people selling gloves. For an individual pair of leather gloves, it was like 50 bucks. I really just lucked out on the two lots that I found on eBay. A really big part of sustainable fashion design is creating a lot of one-offs. Maybe you can't make a whole collection of the exact same glove dress, but you could do variations or use different materials, reuse the same pattern so it's the same shape, but again, using different materials and different silhouettes. I've always had a passion for being environmentally friendly, doing what I can, trying to be sustainable in my lifestyle. And it wasn't until the last two years that I started applying that to myself as a designer because when you're learning how to sew you do a lot of like upcycle projects instead of buying yardage of fabric you'll take a t-shirt and modify it somehow to make it your own and just to teach yourself how to sew i never really stopped doing that even in my senior collection i'm deconstructing garments and repurposing it i never really knew i was going to be a fashion designer first of all but let alone a sustainable fashion designer but i'm happy that i got to that point for Miriam, sustainability is a learned approach from life experience. Growing up, I feel like I've always incorporated sustainability into my life because my parents are immigrants. My mom is from Germany and my dad is from Morocco. I grew up in Lancaster, PA. Not to troll on Americans, but I feel like immigrants are more sustainable in a way because especially where my parents grew up, they had to be resourceful and reuse things all the time. They didn't have the money to just buy things new all the time. So I was definitely always exposed to being sustainable. How can I be eco-friendly? How can I just limit my trash and carbon footprint on the world? How do you plan on employing sustainability in your professional futures? Right now I'm starting up a brand. I've had this Instagram account called Made Some Stuff for a while and I'm turning it into my own small business. I know that after I graduate, that's not gonna really sustain the living right away. Hopefully it will one day, so I plan on just finding a job somewhere and putting my little sustainable two cents into everything I do there. Ideally, I would work for a sustainable brand, but even if it's not, I would just be that little voice in the back of everyone's head. Hey, let's make it zero waste. Let's, let's recycle something. While we started off discussing sustainability within the fashion design program, Miriam said she believes that it should be part of the curriculum across a wide array of academic pursuits. Every major should just learn about it. I just wish everyone in the school could have Carly Cusey as a professor. With sustainability, she's so knowledgeable, and I learned so much from her, stuff that I didn't even know existed, nor that I even could imagine existed. She just has such an interesting perspective. But like Miriam was saying, I really think education is the most important part of sustainability and that it should be taught within all different majors and all different learning styles. Not everybody cares about sustainability and fashion, but if you just mention it here and there, bringing it up at dinner, telling your friends about it, it just sits in the back of people's minds. Those reviews would likely validate the rationale that led Carly Cousy to lead the sustainability courses. They came at a time when the industry was evolving towards slower fashion with a conscious, 
spurred on by the horrible 2013 Rana Plaza tragedy that saw more than 1,100 people killed when a building that housed five garment factories in Bangladesh collapsed. It would be the deadliest disaster in garment industry history. Most of them were young women from very marginalized, poor communities, and they weren't paid fairly. This was obviously a huge tragedy, and it really cracked things wide open. This veil that was separating the consumer and even the designer from the realities of what was happening in the industry disappeared, and people were horrified, obviously. That really motivated me and so many others to educate ourselves and to really understand the true cost of our garments, our consumption. That's what I've been doing since that time and now have been able to incorporate that into the curriculum. Sustainability is an integral part to how this industry moves forward and also how the, the planet needs to move forward. It's something I feel passionately about, but also our program director, Farai Samoy, feels passionately about this. This is not a trend. It is not a fad. It is the way forward from a business standpoint, but more importantly, from a moral and ethical standpoint. As part of a modern, forward-thinking, real-world education that we like to deliver here, this needs to be part of the conversation. And not only part of the conversation, but we need to have courses dedicated to it. We need to have students that are empowered to enter an industry and make the positive, impactful change that we need to see from the level of planet and people. We can no longer put profit above those two things. We have to start guiding our decision-making from an environmental and social standpoint. What I feel heartened about is that it's moved from merely an ethical and moral imperative to a business imperative. It's no longer maybe we should do this because it's the right thing to do, but we have to do this because then we don't have an industry. If we're thinking long-term and we want to preserve the longevity of our businesses, we have to embrace sustainability. Because if we don't, our finite resources are gone. We're operating outside of planetary boundaries. We're not going to have an industry if there's no land to use, crops to grow, water and resources that we need to produce these things. It's not going to be here. We're in a climate crisis. Science tells us that. The fashion industry is a big part of that. And so we have a responsibility to move forward in a way that is going to sustain us for generations and stop thinking about just today. We are in this hyper fast fashion cycle, which means we've been for only the last few decades in this race to the bottom to produce things as quickly and as cheaply as humanly possible. And it has gotten out of control. We are a system that is thriving on overproduction and overconsumption to an alarming degree. We can't do that. Corners are cut when that happens. So it's really daunting and really complicated, but also a really exciting problem to solve. Professor Kusi noted that the pivots related to educating during the pandemic in part bolstered the sustainable design courses. We had a problem solving class. We couldn't really do what we were supposed to do in that class online. And so I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for us to talk more about sustainability. That's a problem. Let's figure out how we can solve it. Let's come up with some creative solutions. Let's really dig into this massive multifaceted problem and talk about it from a sustainable design thinking standpoint. We dig into a lot of the problems. We really understand how 
Fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the entire world, what that really looks like, and students are shocked and horrified. Usually the reaction is, I don't want to be part of this problem. What am I doing here? This is horrible. And I get it. The knee-jerk reaction is to run and then build them back up with, look at all of these amazing things that are happening, all of these incredible solutions from biofabrication and upcycling to zero waste design and all these new materials and technologies. Don't you wanna be part of this? Don't you wanna be part of the change that we need to see and do what we need to do? I really see this course as a bit of a call to action because students feel empowered and they feel excited about solving these problems. All of which brings us back to the upcoming pop-up shop, which is timed to the last day of Fashion Revolution Week and around the 10-year anniversary of the Rana Plaza tragedy. The event will be held at Philly Vintage Bazaar from 4 to 7 p.m. on April 29th. There, fashion design students will sell items from their sustainable brands, with 10% of all proceeds going to Fab Scrap, a group on a mission to end commercial textile waste. Sustainable Concepts for Fashion Design 2 is asking students to build a brand from the ground up, from concept to product, uh, that is sustainable. How can my business be sustainable from a product, people, place, environment, and profit standpoint? They're actually making three products. The students are going to have information on their brands. They're going to have their products for sale. They'll be there to answer questions. Part of being a sustainable brand is giving back to the community, and so we thought it would be appropriate to choose uh, a company to give back to as well. Carly knows that the course is already having an impact on her students, and she hopes that that will continue well into the future. Once you learn what you learn and you see what you're going to see in this class, you can't unsee it and you can't unlearn it. And that's what they say to me, and this is like class two. It's all over. But I'm really heartened by my students and by how interested they are in the subject matter, how they embrace it, and how they carry it through to their other work when they're not required to, like in their senior capstone. They're, they're all thinking about it and they go into interviews and they talk about it. I've had students land internships and jobs because they're talking about it and they know more about it than some of the people that are interviewing them. I'm hopeful and I feel really positive about where we're headed, but we just need to pick up the pace a little bit. So. That's where I feel like I'm sending out this group of students who are going to feel empowered and energized and motivated to step up and say, hey, why are we doing this the way we're doing this? Do you know we could do it in a better way that could benefit both the company economically, but also make a greater impact on our environment and the people who are in our supply chains? While sustainability awareness is a driving force in the fashion and textile worlds, there are a litany of other ways in which other disciplines embrace it. Meet Dr. Fernando Tovia, a professor of engineering who has been working with a team of undergraduate students to engage in real-world problem-solving along with Jefferson Health's Performance Excellence Team. Their work embraces the university's Nexus learning model to help improve supply chain issues. I've been with Jefferson since 2004. I'm basically in charge of all the industrial and systems engineering courses. My area of research lately has been focusing on health systems engineering, 
which is a new area, relatively new, as a result of the study commanded by the National Academies, and it was part of the Institute of Medicine, National Institute of Health, and the National Academy of Engineering. Since the merge of Philadelphia University in Jefferson, I said, my approach to the operational excellence and innovation team at Jefferson and the supply chain team say, well, let's start working together. Usually I have as the students to conduct real projects, not hypothetical projects that have an impact in other industries. Talk to me about what your team of students is doing with Jefferson Health. We have done four projects. The first project we did is about the reduction of all the materials and resources at the operating room. Through their research, they have found that the amount of waste and products that could be used that are lost in the U.S. across the whole system because of mismanagement throw away $5 billion a year. This project is to develop a model to calculate what is the optimal inventory policy. Inventory policy is basically is when you reach this stock level, you place an order of this quantity is what called the QR model. We analyze the usage of these two operating rooms for a complete year. And based on that, we adjust to a probability distribution. With that, we calculate the model. He says that the goal is to minimize the inventory cost while maintaining a 99.5% fill rate, which is the percentage of the time that when you need a product, it is on the shelves or is available. The goal is, because it is a product that is used at the operating room, you cannot run out of stock. But you don't need to have an excess. To test their calculations, they built a simulation model to mimic the arrival of the demand, the consumption, and when the stock level reached the reorder point. We were able to prove that our model will significantly reduce the inventory, which has an effect in building more sustainable systems in the health industry. Reduction of waste using standardized procedures leads you a more sustainable worth of any system. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the health system and where does everything go from here? Two vice presidents on the Jefferson Enterprise. One is supply chain and the other is the operational excellence and innovation. They have very, in the good term, aggressive goals to reduce waste and save money to Jefferson. They really liked our contribution. Most important it is that they are working really hard. Dr. Tovia concluded that his point of view, both as an engineer and a patient, is that even in state-of-the-art hospitals, you still have waste and significant room for improvement. However, in other health systems without the technology, the amount of waste is significantly greater. To make Jefferson more sustainable, more efficient. I've been on the patient side in the last three years at Jefferson, and it's great service. And okay, from the medical point of view, it's great service. Me as an engineer and me as a patient, that when you go and see really behind the scenes and all of what it is going on there, that there is still a lot of improvement. Sustainability also comes into play in a newly established elective course that brought together experts from the university's College of Health Professions, Nursing, Population Health, and Rehabilitation Sciences in collaboration with Tel Aviv University in Israel. 
The course is titled International and Interprofessional Perspectives on the Impact of Climate Change and Climate-Related Disasters on Health and Healthcare Delivery. It teamed eight Jefferson students with a dozen students from Tel Aviv University, and they virtually examined ways to address the links between climate and health. At the helm of the effort is Dr. Lewis N. Hunter, Associate Professor and Program Director for Health Sciences and the Director of Global Strategic Initiatives for the Jefferson College of Rehabilitation Sciences. Our faculty wanted to learn more about these areas, and we wanted to be able to start to think about them as how can we contribute to the sustainability in a global perspective on climate change and climate-related disasters. We came together and had a symposium that occurred last May. We had some guest speakers. We also presented information about what are our healthcare professions doing on these topics. Because they're relatively new topics for our professions, a lot of the times they're not integrated in a curriculum. It was a very successful educational symposium that we had as a kickoff. We wanted to offer some type of elective course, not only for our faculty who have designed it, but also for students to participate from both institutions. Faculty members who participated in both the symposium and the course said they got a lot out of it to take back to their areas of expertise. My name is Dr. Patricia Ramshevsky. I am the chair of the Speech-Language Pathology Program here in JCRS. I believe that all of us who participated in the course really believe that there's an urgent need to educate healthcare professionals regarding the causes and the effects of climate change and its impact on healthcare responses and treatment. We know, according to the WHO, that they have highlighted that there is a direct negative impact of climate change on the environmental determinants of health, including sufficient safe water, food, and shelter. I love that this course included talk about the persons who are most negatively affected by climate change and those vulnerable populations. As a speech-language pathologist, I'm always concerned about the increased rise of temperature and its impact on my clients who not only have stroke or have had a previous stroke, but I'm really concerned about educating future speech language pathologists because of premature births, the relationship to increased heat and climate change, and of course, climate disasters. When you have premature births, you do have children that have a real need for speech and swallowing treatment. Dr. Anita Fennessy of the College of Nursing agreed with those sentiments. This was a great learning opportunity to help us learn what we don't know. When I think of sustainability, I'm thinking by us doing this and looking into our curriculum and then taking what we learn from this course, that's really going to be sustainability because we're going to change our curriculum. We're going to add more of these courses and It's the students that we have that are going to sustain it. I'll be honest with you. I thought I knew a lot, but taking this course, I really seen what the impacts of extreme weather hazard is going to have on patients. I'm a critical care nurse. So when I was hearing all this and I just think where we could end up someday in terms of increasing need for healthcare. And I was just thinking with some of these events, what happens when you run out of ventilators and things like that? And are we prepared for those types of events. One of the best parts was after each lecture, the students would go into groups and then the faculty were a part of them facilitating. And just hearing the dialogue, you could see the wheels turning in the students, what they didn't realize that they're going to impact this, that they're going to be a part of this change in the future. It was interesting because they could relate it to each of their professions. We always say knowledge is power. 
for students, for our change agents. What they learned and what we learned really gives us that power to really try to start. They always say little changes are what going to lead to bigger changes. This is really helpful in terms of making the change, in terms of realizing it has to be a more global approach. Dr. Rosie Frasso is a professor of population health and director of public health at the Jefferson College of Population Health and director of mixed methods research at Asano Ganella Center for Research in Medical Education and Healthcare at Sydney Kimmel Medical College. As a public health professional, sustainability is on our radar all the time. All the work we do across disciplines will mean nothing if we don't think about how to preserve the planet. The impact that the environment has on us is a directly proportional to the impact we've had on the environment. This course really gave learners, students, and faculty involved a chance to really think about planetary health and what really is at risk. We can't turn back time. We are in for it. No matter how you look at this phenomena, it will impact the work we do for years to come in terms of the particular risks that vulnerable populations will be put at first, and then perhaps even those that are not vulnerable based on how things unfold. This was our attempt at making sure our students are prepared to face the reality of what the challenges ahead will look like. And certainly we need to expose more students to this, but as the first sort of pilot run, I think it was a huge success. Dr. Hunter noted that COVID's divergent impacts across the globe really helped put these concerns into stark focus. COVID taught us a lot in coming together as an interprofessional group, how it impacted the world and how did people respond and did they respond similarly or did they respond differently across different countries? It really stemmed from a connection that we made at Tel Aviv University. And we were brainstorming together about what areas that we'd like to focus on. Climate change and climate-related disasters came up as a topic that we'd like to learn more about from different parts of the world. That led directly to discussions about sustainability, according to Dr. Remshivsky. It was a very deliberate interprofessional approach. We definitely knew we wanted to bring in as many healthcare programs as we were able, and we had really active conversation with students in small groups in regards to what can a healthcare institution do in order to make the planet more sustainable. What are we doing now that's negatively impacting climate change. There are things that big institutions can do. It was really gratifying to sit and talk to students and hear their big ideas. I think this was unexpected. In reality, we became the student and the faculty learned so much from the students. That was just a really great example of good interprofessional education that we were learning with and from our students. We had these incredible world-renowned speakers that came and provided these modules in regards to all the different topics that Lou put together. Those experts and speakers offered many unexpected insights into the issues at hand, which is something that Dr. Hunter said was by design. The Global Consortium on Climate and Health Education at Columbia, we invited them as a primary speaker at the symposium a year ago. Through that relationship, we didn't know that they're helping a lot of other universities and institutions to learn more about climate change and what is it and how is it impacting or how could it impact health education for the better. We relied on them as consultants, Dr. Cecilia Sorensen and Haley Campbell at the Global Consortium. They have access to all these international speakers on all these different topics. They were really interested in the interprofessional perspective that we had as an institution ourselves. We were Really thankful to them educating us as we're educating our students about what we can do because faculty don't have all the answers at all. We're showing them that we can be vulnerable, especially when it comes to sustainability and learning more about it as faculty. What are the plans to continue on in the future with it? 
we might not run it as an elective course over a semester, but we're looking to take this content and run it as a week-long global education opportunity beginning next year to start an academic exchange with Tel Aviv University and potentially other universities that are interested. We as healthcare professionals and as this faculty need to look at our ever-changing professions and then figure out, again, like, what, are our, what does our curriculum have? Does it have this content in it? If it doesn't, then, you know, how do we bring that to life? Starting to educate ourselves was the first step that we needed to do with the symposium. I think learning about each other's cultures and how these topics can impact people differently, because we are far apart in the world, but we're really not, because we came together with a common interest from the beginning. That evolution is really important to see, and it can be done. Dr. Rimshivsky also walked away from the course with ideas about how the lessons can not only be implemented locally, but within the Jefferson Enterprise itself. We're in a unique position. Jefferson's big. We have an opportunity to make big change for sustainability in and around Philadelphia. So yes, it's a global issue, but I'm also thinking about the momentum of, wow, what can we do here at Jefferson after taking this course? Finally, we turn our sustainable lens to an alum who not only made a mark as a student and faculty member, but also went on to become, among other things, Vice President of Innovation and Technology for Jefferson Strategic Ventures and Chief of Innovation and Sustainability for a startup company with Jefferson Roots that works in hemp textiles. I am Mark Sunderland. I am a graduate of Thomas Jefferson University, both as an undergrad and grad. My background is actually in high-performance textiles, innovation, materials. I, I also was a professor and taught many classes for the last 20 years at Thomas Jefferson University, including a lot of interdisciplinary classes where designers, engineers, and business students were in the class together working on industry projects. A lot of my work at Jefferson happened to be in the commercial area and bringing industry partnerships to the university campus. Hemp Black was born on East Wall's campus. I worked on hemp research through the Lambert Foundation. That research became a company which became seven different patents. And many of the patents over time really have a sustainability and a carbon footprint metric to them. One of Hemp Black's first call to action at the university is how do we bring sustainability as part of the commercial platform for the company. When would that have been? 2018, 19, 20. We're trying to lift off this brand and this company with Jefferson behind us and to the pandemic, through the pandemic. And a company that I is very social was at the precipice of being very, I want to say, user-friendly. And we were talking about the tip of the iceberg where the word sustainability, carbon footprint, net zero, healthy materials, biomaterials is becoming the language as which we practice now. It sounds as if you might have been working towards sustainability before it became a buzzword. This is interesting because I brought a project to the classroom in our deck gen class that has several different majors of students in it. One of the charges about the project was don't talk about the environment or carbon footprint or carbon negative, all these terms that we see, when you just say sustainability, you just think, oh, it's okay. This is sustainable. That's sustainable. What does that really mean? And I look at that as the term, when you look at sustainability this day and age versus what wicking or moisture management was to the high performance world when Under Armour and Nike all started to come out with compression shirts, they wick. But what does that really mean? There is this sweet spot, I would say in the mid-teens 
where, you know, certainly other professors at the university were working on it and on the architecture side, but in the textiles and materials side, I knew that there was an opportunity for change, either through smart materials or through manufacturing and 3D apparel. And when you see those technologies happen and you're like, wow, I can take out 80% of the sewing. I can take out the number of hand movements within this garment. So sustainability for me happened, yes, in material and much more so in how those material match the new processes and the new norm when it came to manufacturing platforms, both in 3D manufacturing of textiles and both in 3D printing and digital printing as well. You'd mentioned a role at the university insofar as sustainability itself. Talk to me a bit about what that role is and then the importance of sustainability across various fields. Sustainability goes to creating a commerce or a business that can live for itself and sustain an environment or sustain a center of commerce on its own. Or it could be human rights. Does it sustain workforce? Does it educate the workforce? Sustainability in general has a lot of different touch points to it. Doesn't necessarily mean are we using recycled materials? My question now in 2023 is can and should we, and we have the opportunity to do better than just recycling? Because does recycling just delay the problem for another 30, 50 70 years? Is it doing enough? The time has come that the more difficult questions are, and the answers are part of the model of business today. I was vice president for innovation and technology out of strategic partners out in Center City. When Hemp Black was started through the Lambert Foundation for Hemp Research, I took on a role as the chief innovation and sustainability officer. I thought during that time that innovation for the future was more tied to sustainability than it was to creating something new and different that didn't include the planet. I thought that including the environment, including the planet, including materials, all had to be part of the human condition as part of sustainability is also part of innovation now. What brought me to you for an interview was something you've written about microplastics and carbon neutral, carbon negative, and that whole concept of the supply chain impacts. Could you talk to me a bit about that? Sad to note that so much microplastics end up in the ocean. And where is it coming from? What's going on? And can we do better? When we're looking at whether something is carbon negative or carbon neutral, what is the end of the life? of that particular product. We have to consider that as well. So we can do everything up to and put a biomaterial into a product, but how is that end product then disposed of? How is it doing the best it can for the environment? Certainly good questions and across the supply chain, everything has to be considered. It's not only am I using this material that is environmentally friendly, it uses no petroleum, it's compostable. If it traveled the globe 50,000 miles, what did we accomplish? It's okay to have more questions than answers, but these conversations would have never happened four, five, six, seven years ago. It's certainly an important development because it does resonate with the students and it goes far beyond from reacting to trash on the street or doing a neighborhood cleanup or saying, oh, look at this pencil, it's made from recycled plastic. That's all well and good. There's harder questions to answer and people don't wanna pay for more carbon friendly materials. So it's up to us either as the consumer to demand it, to buy less, use less, to buy better, but also it's intrinsic on the supply chain and in our commercial partners to actually seek out the best possible fields, processes, supply chain, human concern 
for the products they are making for the consumer. Can you talk a bit about job opportunities in these areas? As I'm sure that's what will interest some of our listeners. We developed a whole industry built on measuring what our carbon footprint is. And quite frankly, it's a little bit like the waste our students are thinking that they will get jobs in these areas of expertise and certifications in this world of sustainability and carbon footprint because the world is growing. These are the new frontier and the, probably the new employment opportunities for the students, no matter really what major they come from. And that's an important development. How does the sustainability conversation impact the university as a whole? As a university, there's an opportunity for a really strong consortium built around healthy materials for both the planet and the patient. I believe that. I've talked about that before. And I do think that there is a real mindset around that. And as a university, it would really help to bring some of these sustainability goals, especially on the academic side, together so that when students leave us, they know how to talk the language and the vocabulary of what they're looking for. Every major brand now has a sustainability person. That didn't happen 10 years ago. That sustainability person sat over there in the corner and who were they? Who knew? They They probably were like, trying to figure out if you were putting trash in where you're putting recycling. It's made a whole new change in the industry. And I'm very happy that this is another opportunity really in the student's area of interest, even though it may be specific to business or fashion or industrial design, that there is in those companies an opportunity. In talking to the students, it's very heartening to see that focus. People so heavily invested and speaking the language as if it's almost second nature. It gives me hope for the future of sustaining a planet and a population. One of the things that I like to discuss and write about is it's a global environment, right? Garments are going to be made in China, even though we want to bring them back here to the United States. We want to make more things in the United States. You got to support that if that's what it is you want to support. Fibers come from different articles and they have different processes. But quite frankly, I think that we're going to the day that every garment, everything you buy, coffee cup, this pencil, the shirt you're wearing should have a carbon footprint label on it. And the buyer should make a decision based on that. You're not going to be able to sell into a brand, a Nike, an Adidas, a sports brand, whoever you're selling to. You can't sell to anyone these days, whether it's a manufacturer or a brand, without having a certification, without having something that tells us about your material, how friendly for the environment or for the user. Even at Hemp Black, One of the things while the research was happening at the university, we had one of our inputs as cradle to cradle certified, right? Whoever would have thought that in 2019 and we got it certified as silver. So now we have a silver certificate that we can go around and say, hey, this particular product is patented, (laughs) number one. Number two, it was patented here at the university. But number three is that we have a certificate that says that this material is safe to use, no carcinogens. This is where it comes from. And then it was also certified by the United States Department of Agriculture as a 100% biomass. Those kinds of things would have never have happened in 2013. You just have to continue to ask the right questions. If you can't ask the right questions, then, you know, the right answers will never happen. It's not a rabbit hole. It's great that we're sitting here talking about it. I talked about it in 2008 when the Olympic swimmers were wearing the full body suits, which were loaded with chemicals to create this barrier between the suit and the water. There wasn't a question about sustainability then, or what are you gonna do with those suits? It was all driven around performance and making the athlete better and creating an environment for the athlete that was safer and 
they could perform at a certain level under certain conditions that they never would be able to perform at. And then the iWatch came and the progression happened. And what are we going to do with that garment that has wires running through it? Who's going to make it? What are we going to do with the battery? All these things kept leading to trying to answer harder and harder questions. Nothing is ever done and nothing is ever completed. That's the exhausting part. But the, the optimistic being in me says, if we continue to ask the right questions, we will get to the right answers. And if you never think it's done, it's okay, because that only keeps getting us to a better place. I think this is really interesting how during our time at, as a university that we have come to this point. To learn more about this and other Jefferson stories, please visit jefferson.edu backslash the nexus. Today's interviews were conducted by Brian Hickey with production support from Dan Bernstein. Thank you for listening.